I would say 1 John 4.19. Um, we love because he first loved us. Welcome back, everybody, to episode three of season two of ICYA Raw. I'm your host, Andrew Stace, and today we have a great episode planned for you. We're going to have two guests speak to us today. Our first guest will be Cindy, who will talk to us about a really interesting story, uh, what happened to her a number of years ago on a trip she went on. Our second guest will be Aaliyah, and she'll be sort of piggybacking on what JJ talked about last episode about supports and what can happen when you don't have those supports. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Yes, my name is Cindy and I am an Ojibwe from Minnesota. Um, And my title is Education Engagement Director. We come alongside um, the schools, the teachers, um, the guidance counselors, principals, families, and probably I should have put families first on that, in that, um, and getting them to see the value. Um, and really, I used to tell my children, because they'd say, oh, it's so boring. I mean, they all graduated, but I would just say, in some of the classes, they just detested. I said, get that C, or even if you only get a D, just get through it, you know, and then shine on these, you know, of course I want them to get an A, but, you know, they, it was, and and I guess that's it too, you know, please just show up, you know, it's going to make a lasting difference in your life, and, and then later in college, you get to really pursue what you want, and not that you don't have clunker of, of, you know, classes there too, but, so uh, we're raising up a team of people that will um, come alongside families and help their children um, bottom line hopefully graduate six grandchildren and if I could tell them something it would be when you do pick that partner for life you do pick that husband um, that you get other people's opinions and of course, you know, bathe it in prayer, but getting other people's opinions is really important because um, it could save you from a lifetime of great pain. And because relationships are one of the most difficult things we navigate, and sometimes people know us better than we know ourselves at a young age. And so I was, what, 20, 25 or 26 when I got married, and um, 24. So uh, I would say, you know, ask those around you what, what they think about the one that you're choosing to live the rest of your life with. And then to think about um, the question of uh, what's something that's happened to me that, um, you know, I, I didn't, couldn't believe that it was happening. It was, um, I found, my father found out that he had um, some Jewish blood and then I began to pray about um, Israel and began to pray about the Jewish people and um, and out of those prayers came an invitation to go to Israel with um, a group of people. They were looking for representation from the First Nations people 
And so they asked five Native women to go um, from all over, you know, different parts of the country. And so I, I went as an Ojibwe elder. And, um, man, there's some really amazing things that happened. I think, too, you know, it's been my observation that, like, you know, as Native people, we it's hard for us to, to venture out and to go past certain boundaries. You know, we... We like to stay close to home, and I, maybe it just feels safer. Um, and so I, I did feel that, you know, I did feel some tension about, you know, flying above the ocean for hours and hours and being away from everything that I knew. And, um, and they said that this group of people that we were joining was about um, anywhere from three to 5,000 people from all over the world. I think we had a representation of, um, I'm going to guess because I can't quite remember anymore, but maybe 150 different nations all across the world. And so to come as a First Nations person was really amazing. And then I wrote down 14 things that happened while I was, um, while I was over there. And one of them was, so I, I wore regalia and um, just to... You know, because people would say, oh, are you Chinese? Are you Hawaiian? Are you are you Mexican? Are you... And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to wear my regalia every day. Uh, and just to show, you know, that um, that this is who I represent. And um, this is the people group that I'm a part of, is another way to say that. And, and I'd also would carry around my um, flute. And anyway... Um, one day I was just trying to get through the crowd to go back to the room, the hotel room, and a, a young lady stopped me and she said, are you, are you Native American? And I said, yeah. And she goes, and can you play that? And I said, yeah, I can play that. And she goes, show me. And so I, I played something and she goes, would you be in my music video? And I said, sure, what do you want me to do? And she goes, I want you to play that and dance. And so um, her name is Becca Shea. And I had no idea who she, who she was, but now that song has got over a million hits, and um, and she said she. She knew she had Jewish blood, but only recently did it come out that they had Native blood in her family, and I said, "Wow!" I said, "We always knew we had Native blood, but didn't know we had Jewish blood," and so it was just amazing that we, you know, you know God's timing, um, that we past each other and and anyway so it was a total of three weeks um you know practicing her song and and she really had all the nations in the song and it's called heartbeat and it is about um you know his heartbeat and it is about unity and it is about um you know it's our time to rise up and to wake up and a song is really it's really powerful and it was it it is one of those moments where you're like, wow, is this really happening? You know, uh, videotaping in Jerusalem and, you know, um, dancing as a First Nations person, you know, an indigenous person and being okay with um, those things that I feel are redeemed, which are, you know, the clothes I chose to wear and the flute that I chose to play, you know, they're, they are... Um, to me, they're coming from the heart of one that loves, loves God, knows Jesus Christ, and believes in the Holy Spirit. 
And um, so, yeah, I just was felt like it was a big honor. And um, there were, I'd say probably almost every time that we'd go out into the into the country and minister to the people or pray for the people. Um, there's such an alignment of the Jewish people to the First Nations people because of, probably f because of the tragedy that has happened, the trauma, you know, the Jewish people being, um, experiencing genocide. And, um, but whenever we'd go out, I remember one time in particular, which is kind of hard for me because I, I have a tendency to pull back in crowds and just watch. I love to watch. And we'd go into a restaurant and um, before I know it, there are people be around me. And, are you First Nations? Could you play that flute? And could I put you on my Facebook? And, <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, wow. And I, before before um, I left, I said, I want, I want to um, do whatever you want me to do. I want to be a blessing to the people. And because there are promises about, um, in scripture, about blessing uh, the land of Israel and the people. And so I said, help me just to be obedient and not to play the shy card, you know, help me just to bring myself forward. And um, so I was very purposeful. And so it just it was an honor and it was fun. It was really fun to, to um, be a part of it. I. I'll remember, never forget when the way they did this uh, big meeting was every country got to go up there. Every um, nation had a time when they would go up. And so then when it was First Nations, they were asking, who wants to go up in front of all these people? And I'm like, oh, can I just pass on this one? I was thinking inside, it's like, okay, you said... And so I said, I, I'll go up and play my flute. And and so I, I remember I was wearing my little white moccasins and I walked up to the front and I could just feel the pressure of of wanting to do well and wanting to, um, you know, be a blessing to everyone. And and then whenever you play an instrument in front of everyone, you have to make sure you have enough breath, right? But when you're scared, it affects your breath, right? And so like, please let me just play this song and... And you know how when you're in a crowd and, and you're talking and you can hear background sounds and people are still chattering, it just became a moment where everything went silent. And I'm like, wow, it just really got quiet in here. And the sound was just, I don't know, I could tell it was connecting to people's hearts and it was just really beautiful. And um, just another one of those moments where, you know, you sit there and you think, well, is this really happening? And um, and, and I would just want to mention one more thing about that trip. Um, so my dad knew his family name from the Jewish side. And, um, I remember when I watched Schindler, Schindler's List one time, there was a moment, you know, when you watch something or you're in life and something seems to be highlighted, like it's like a moment where like, okay, pay attention to this. And I paid attention to um, the scene where he was talking to someone named Ruth Lowenstein. That was her real name. I actually think she was called Ruth in the movie too. And Schindler was talking to her and he actually saved that family line. Um, and 
that is my father's name. But before we even knew that my dad had Jewish blood, um, I watched that movie. And that, that time that she showed up on the screen, I was like, wow, why is this? It was so emotional to me. Well, the whole movie was, but that really grabbed my attention. I kept thinking about it later. And then I found out my dad's last name is Lowenstein. And um, when we went um, to the museum, the Holocaust Museum, there was a, a time where we were going past this place where it was all the people that Schindler saved. And I just remember it being one of those defining moments again where it was like, there's something about this. And then I, when I got home, I researched his list, the list, and he, he did save, and it was the same spelling. I can't prove that, you know, my dad, it was the Polish Jew that um, was saved. Um, and it was um, the Lowenstein spelled that way. And so um, I think well, as I um, begin to think about why why that was so important for God to show me that piece. And I think he cares about our names. He cares about our heritage. He cares about the people that we're connected to, like historically. I mean, you know, those boring parts that we see in scripture, we often say, are those long lists of names connecting, you know, us to one another. And I feel like he, he was just saying at that time, I do care about that. And I do care that your family... Um, was rescued and so yeah that was that was one of the and in that um I'm just going to piggyback off on another part of that story because it, it just really affected the rest of my life when I got off the um airport in Tel Aviv or off the plane and into the air airport um I could see this one lady heading right towards me. She was walking very purposeful. <laughs> she was with someone else, and they were walking right towards me. I'm like, oh, that's maybe it's someone behind me. So I kind of just stopped in my tracks. And she says, are you are you um, indigenous? Are you First Nations? And I said, yeah, I, I am. And she goes, well, I want you to meet somebody. Her name is Rosemary Schindler. And I'm like, and literally... Um, maybe about half a dozen or more times, maybe up to 10, I, I can't even remember anymore because it was quite a while ago, 2013 and 14 I went. Um, people would come, like the very first person I met said, I want you to meet Rosemary Schindler. And then the very last person I met on the very last day, um, I played the flute at the Jordan, and um, Jordan River, and um, out of the crowd came this lady and she was actually Rosemary Schindler's roommate. And she goes, I really want you to meet, um, Rosemary. And finally I was like, what is this God? And, um, she said to me, uh, Rosemary, um, she, she felt like Oscar Schindler's love for the Jewish people was kind of passed on down to her and um, and then plus she also loves First Nations people, indigenous people and so I was like wow and so anyway I ended up getting her cell phone and it was just a, a 
an amazing thing where he was connecting people and connecting the line for me, like connect the dot, you know? And it just was, it was just a, an amazing trip and really um, started with my dad and my dad longing to know who he was. And so we sometimes we can go through life and feel like um, everything's like by chance or it's just a regular normal day and, and, and he could be doing something, um, connecting the dots for us behind the scenes. And so to never miss those opportunities. I think preteens think a lot about friendship. It's like very much on the top of their mind, you know, what are other people thinking about me? Um, you know, or if a friend does something that hurts their feelings, it really like their imagination is kind of like filled with those things. So I think um, talking about, you know, what does it mean to be a good friend? Like, um, what does it mean to be someone that's trustworthy? You know, does someone that's trustworthy talk about you behind their back? Or um, does someone who's trustworthy, like, help you, you know, if you tell them something really personal, like, do they do they protect that personal piece of information and like not share it with other people? Like those kind of things. I think they're, they're starting to develop their own identity and take more initiative in the relationships that they want to have with other people and with their families. And they get to make these decisions about who, who they're friends with and what do those friendships look like and where, where do they want to invest their time and their energy. And I would say that that really resonated with me because that's an area of my life where I have uh, grown a lot, shall we say, in the past, like, I would say maybe seven years. Um, I think that my ability to um, just speak up for myself in friendships has changed a lot, and to draw boundaries for myself um, has changed, and I'm just really like appreciative of the opportunities and the friendships that I do have to like um, continue to like grow in those areas. I remember when I was working in ministry, maybe like in my early 20s and just feeling very like burnt out and overwhelmed uh, with the work that I was doing and kind of recognizing that I had not spent enough time investing in my own friendships and like friendships that were really like meaningful to me and people who I knew would have my back um yeah I guess maybe like thinking like just like being young and feeling like I was like independent and like I could do everything and um yeah not recognizing that I need to refuel and I need those like safe spaces to go back to basically so I started making like lists for myself of people who I was like I feel like these are my like quality people that I can like really count on in a really tough situation and I started to focus more on maybe having like only one or two very close friends that I would consider to be those people and to really try and cultivate and be intentional about those 
relationships. Um, because when I did go through like a more significant burnout, I recognized that I didn't have the supports that I needed in order to recover or have people in my life that would say like, Hey, I think you're pushing yourself too hard or you're, you're, um, you need to take a step back. And that affected my ability to recover and to bounce back and to continue to do things that I love. Um, so yeah. And I think that those relationships have like, um, taken time to develop, but, um, yeah, I think, I think having those like one or two solid friends who can be honest with me and who I can share my, um, you know, embarrassing or like shameful experiences with and who can offer me forgiveness, um, and challenge me to grow is like, yeah, one of the most like more like precious things in my life over the past like couple of years. Yeah, I think I was disappointed with myself, like that I had not, um, yeah, that I maybe had like taken on more than what I was called to do in that season of life. And that I had maybe closed myself off from opportunities to build strong relationships and not like been vulnerable with people and like really shared, you know, hey, like this is what is going on in my life. Um, and those things take, take time, right? Like friendships are like, they're like a bridge, right? You can only put so much on top of them as, as the strength of that bridge and that connection. Um, and so to, to be in a crisis and then expect someone to like meet you there in a really meaningful way is really, is really difficult. And sometimes like can be like almost like, it's almost too late. Sometimes I feel like, like you almost, you really need to like spend that time cultivating those strong friendships beforehand because we all go through really tough seasons. And like, if that's not there, then it's hard to expect people to like really meet you in your, in your, in your pain. If you don't have that connection kind of already, at least like kind of there or being built that trust and stuff. I had to make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> um, I had to be friends with people that maybe didn't show me the same kind of friendship back and and also experience like like hurting people myself like maybe not um like over committing myself to a friendship or saying that I could be there for someone that I really didn't have the capacity to be there for um and uh yeah I had like a really great friendship or what I thought was a really great friendship kind of like fall apart at one point and I think that that really like shaped and changed what I thought about um what makes a good friend um and how important it is to have like those one or two people in your life that align with your values in terms of your faith and your yeah or just your general values as a person um we can be like friends with so many different types of people. Um, but those like really close couple people in your life, it's, it's just so important to me that we share close values. Um, yeah, it just, it just allows for a deeper connection and also helps me 
it really helps me stay focused on my own values and it really helps me recognize when oh like I'm not acting out of my integrity right now because I see my close friend also pursuing similar values and goals and um yeah I think that really changed what I thought about friendship because when that friendship fell apart because I think we shared different values and I really respect that person and love them a lot but it didn't work as a kind of like best friend type of friendship if that makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think I didn't always like trust myself to draw good boundaries in relationships and I had a hard time with trusting my gut about um people and that led to me getting hurt and I think like one of the biggest things that I try to remind myself on a daily basis is that I can trust myself and I can trust what's best for me and it might not be what's best for the next person but that's kind of like the only guidepost I can have in my life for um like making decisions and trusting in that like relationship with God and that God and the Holy Spirit are part of my life and that I can rely on that and have faith that God is going to give me guidance and in my like everyday experiences. I would say, yeah, invest in, okay. I would say it's important to like take the time to invest in a couple people who have your back and really share your values. Thank you everyone for tuning in to today's episode of ICYA Raw. If you'd like to listen to past episodes, you can visit icya.ca slash raw. I'd like to thank both Aliyah and Cindy for sharing their time and their stories today. For ICYA Raw, I'm Andrew Stace, signing off. The show will be on a short break for the next few months as we prepare for the gala coming in the fall. We really hope that you've enjoyed these first three episodes of Season 2 of ICYA Raw. I know I have. I've really enjoyed getting to hear and share some of the stories of people that are here at ICYA. And I hope you've gotten to uh, enjoy a sneak peek of what's to come in future episodes and as well as the gala that's upcoming in the fall. Today's episode was written and produced by Andrew Stace.